Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Swanson Health, a company that I am happy to endorse personally because I use their high-quality vitamins and supplements daily to help maintain a fit body and mind. Swanson Health is the only company that offers a full spectrum of wellness products for mind, body, and home. From quality vitamins and supplements to cruelty-free beauty items to eco-friendly home products, Swanson Health is here to keep you healthy. They carry over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. That means you can pick up all of your favorite health products, plus discover new ones for your wellness routine, all the while leaving money in your pocket. Of especially good value are Swanson brand vitamins and supplements, which are crafted in the USA and made with unsurpassed purity and potency. Go to Swanson.com and check out their great products for yourself. Then use the code LIFE20 for 20% off. Once again, that's Swanson.com with the coupon code LIFE20. Thank you. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Success by Lord Beaverbrook, published in 1921. Success, that is the royal road we all want to tread, for it gives us the opportunity to exercise our abilities and activities to the full. Like all human affairs, success is partly a matter of predestination and partly of free will. You cannot make genius, but you can improve upon it or destroy it. And most people possess the assets which can be turned into success. But those who possess these precious gifts will have to gather and expand them. What are the qualities which make for success? They are three, judgment, industry, and health. And perhaps the greatest of these is judgment. For in proclaiming the word judgment, one has said everything. In the affairs of the world, it is the supreme quality. Surrounding good judgment, there cluster many qualities, like the setting around a jewel, such as the capacity to read the hearts of others, to draw an inexhaustible fountain of wisdom from every particle of experience in the past, and to turn the current of this knowledge into the dynamic action of the future. Genius goes to the heart of a matter like an arrow from a bow, but judgment is the quality which learns what the world has to teach, and then goes one better. It is the power to assimilate knowledge and to use it. Judgment may, however, prove ineffectual if it is not accompanied by industry. The mill must have grist on which to work, and it is industry which pours in the grain. A great opportunity may be lost and an irretrievable error committed by a brief break in lucidity and industry. The one who would be Caesar anywhere says Kipling, must know everything everywhere. 
nearly everything comes to the person who is always all there. People are not born either hopelessly lazy or industrious. They may move in one direction or the other, as will or circumstances dictate, but it is open to anyone to work. The true secret of industry well applied is concentration and there are many well-known ways of learning concentration, the most potent tool of success. Industry can be acquired. It should never be squandered. Next up, we have health, which is the foundation of both judgment and industry, and therefore of success. Without health, everything is difficult. Who can exercise a sound judgment if they are feeling irritable in the morning? Who can work hard if they are suffering from a perpetual feeling of malaise? The future lies with the people who will take exercise, but not too much exercise. Sports may be hopeless as a career for most people, but as a drug it is invaluable. No ordinary person can hope to succeed. Who does not work their body in moderation? The danger of the professional athlete is to believe that in scoring a victory, they have won the game of life. Their object is no longer to be fit for work and a noble purpose, but to be super fit for play. At the end, the whole thing is revealed as vanity. The pursuit of pleasure is equally ephemeral. Time and experience rob even amusement of its charm, and the night before is not worth the next morning's headache. Practical success alone makes early middle age the most pleasurable period of a person's career. What has been worked for in youth then comes to its fruition. It is true that brains alone are not influence, and that money alone is not influence. But brains and money combined are power. And fame, the other object of ambition, is only another name for either money or power. Never was there a moment more favorable for turning talent towards opportunity, an opportunity into triumph, than the world now presents to the man and woman whom ambition stirs to make a success of life if you are found equal to the task. The ladder of education now enables a person born in a cottage or a slum to attain the zenith of success and power. And in every case, there stands the three attributes to be cultivated, judgment, industry, and health. Judgment can be improved upon. Industry can be acquired and health can be attained by those who will take the trouble. They are the three pillars on which you can build the golden pinnacle of success. Nearby the temple of success stands another temple. Behind the curtains of its doors is concealed the secret of happiness. There are of course many forms of this priceless gift, Different temperaments will interpret it differently. Various experiences will produce variations of the blessing. A person may make a failure of their business affairs and yet remain happy. 
The spiritual and inner life is a thing apart from material success. Even a person who, like Robert Louis Stevenson, suffered from chronic ill health can still be happy. But we must leave out these exceptions and deal with the average individual who lives by and for their practical work and who desires and enjoys both success and health. Even if a person has both success and good health, they may not be happy. They may have access to the first temple, but the other temple may still be forbidden to them. Rampant ambition might be a torture to them. An exaggerated selfishness can make their life miserable, or an uneasy conscience may nag at them. For the woman or man who has attained success in health, there are three great rules. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. These are the three pillars of the temple of happiness. Justice, which is another word for honesty in practice and intention, is perhaps the easiest of the virtues for the successful person to acquire. Their experience has schooled them to something more profound than the acceptance of the rather crude dictum that honesty is the best policy, which is often interpreted to mean that you better follow the laws. Real justice must go far beyond a mere fear of the law, or even a realization that it does not pay to indulge in dishonest business practices. It must be a mental habit, a fixed intention to be fair in your dealings with money or politics, a natural desire to be just, and to interpret all bargains and agreements in the spirit as well as in the letter. The second quality, mercy, has been regarded as something in contrast or conflict with justice. It is not really so. Mercy resembles the prerogative of the judge to temper the law to suit individual cases. It must be of a kindred temper with justice, or it would degenerate into mere weakness or folly. Mercy is a quality that has to be acquired. Shakespeare said that mercy blesses both the one that gives and the one that takes. And he was correct, for those who exercise mercy lay up a store of it for themselves. What in essence is the quality of mercy? It is something beyond the mere desire not to push an advantage too far. It is a feeling of tenderness springing out of harsh experience as a flower springs out of a rock. It is an inner sense of gratitude for the scheme of things, finding expression in outward action, and therefore assuring its possessor of an abiding happiness. The final quality, humility, is by far the most difficult to attain. There is something deep down in the nature of a successful person, which seems to conflict with it. Their career is born in a sense of struggle, courage, and conquest, and that very type of effort often invites a form of arrogance. I cannot pretend to be humble myself. All I can confess is the knowledge that to the extent that I can acquire humility, I will be happier. Indeed, there is certainly one form of humility 
which all successful people ought to be able to practice. They can avoid the fatal tendency to look down on and despise the younger folk who are walking in their own footsteps. The established arrogance which refuses to credit or provide opportunity to rising talent is unpardonable. The person who succumbs to what is really simply a form of jealousy cannot hope to be happy. For jealousy above all is a passion which tears the heart. The great stumbling block that prevents success embracing humility is the difficulty of distinguishing between the humble mind and the cowardly one. The most important point to remember is that if your moral judgment is worth anything, you should be able to practice courage without arrogance and to walk humbly without fear. If you can accomplish this feat, you will reap no material reward but an immense harvest of inner well-being. You will have found the bluebird of happiness which escapes so easily from the snare. You will have joined justice to mercy and added humility to courage. And in the light of this self-knowledge, you will have attained the zenith of enduring contentment, of lasting equanimity. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get the best of our podcast in heirloom hardcover or digital ebook by visiting inspirationallifelessons.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.